Welcome to the Real Estate Marketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I am your host for today. Real Estate Marketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Real Estate Marketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, to educate and inform our listeners. Purpose number two, build to spotlight you, your business or service or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. With that, we have a very special guest. We have Bill Palti. Bill Palti, engineer, current insurance professional, helping people understand the world of insurance. Bill, I'm excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, Bill, I would like to hear from you. We're going to interview you today. We're going to ask some questions. And I would like you to tell us um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into insurance and how you got to where you are today. Well, the interesting part and in how I got into insurance, uh, my background is uh, 30 years of manufacturing, 25 years in engineering, uh, the last 15 in engineering and engineering management. And with that, uh, worked a total of uh, 15 different companies and learned way more than what one person should know about a whole lot of things that you don't need to know. Um, in 2009, the automotive world decided they didn't need me anymore. Uh, got brought into the insurance world in 2011. In 2013, got introduced to the uh, real estate investor world. Spent about a year trying to figure out how to make sense out of that. Uh, had the um, enlightening moment where I realized that I was trying to sell insurance to investors the same way as what we did for homeowners. And as everybody knows, those are totally, totally different topics, different discussion processes. Once I made that transition, I uh, was introduced to some people that know way more than what I do about this industry. And from there, just tried to put together a plan to make sure that any investor that I work with, that we protect their property as well as we can, understanding that it is 100% their business that we're working with. So with that, we keep expanding as far as uh, products that we do right now, we're pretty much full service cross board in the insurance industry. Um, what we don't do personally, we find somebody that can do it because again, our goal is to get you insured the way you need to be and to make sure that you stay in business because without that business, I don't have a business either. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, Bill, um, we've had some insurance people on here before and different people have their different definitions about what insurance is and why you need it. So could you tell us, first and foremost, what is insurance? Insurance in the very basic form is trying to mitigate your risk of whatever you are doing. Okay. And people say, well, that's too simple. And it's like, no, that's what it is. Uh, in the process of the insurance world, basically we sell money because you give us the money under the assumption that at some point there may be an unfortunate incident that occurs. And when that does, we give you money to make sure that you get your 
property or whatever it is uh, put back to the way it was. So selling money is probably the simplest way to look at what insurance does. Okay. And most people like have a reservation to like purchasing insurance. They don't understand the importance of it. Uh, What would you say to people that have that reservation and don't understand the importance of it? Well, the phrase that I use, and sometimes I have to be careful with it because it's a little bit blunt, is do you like your house? Okay. Because if the insurance is not in place or the insurance is wrong, it physically could cost you everything that you own. My goal is to make sure that you never get to that conversation because if that conversation comes up and I did not do my job correctly, we both have problems. And at that point, my errors and omissions will kick in to make sure that the situation is resolved. My goal in business is to never have the errors and omission claim. Okay. And when you say errors and omissions, what is that? Like, how does that work? Um, In a 10,000 foot overview, I forget to tell you that you need a coverage. Um, I do not tell you correctly what the coverages are, what is insured, what is not insured. You have a claim and find out that the coverage you have is incorrect for what it was supposed to be. And I did not do my job to make sure that you understood what the insurance should have been. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm an investor. I'm an agent. Like, where do I, when do I talk to an insurance professional like yourself? Like, when does that, when does that conversation take place? From my aspect, the more, you know, about the insurance world, before you get into the investing, the better it is because there are a lot of quirks that you have to understand, especially in the investor world. As far as in the purchase process, once you have a property identified, you should contact an insurance professional to make sure that there are no issues with that property. We run into a semi-regular basis where there may be two, three, four claims against that property for various things from the people that owned it before. Those claims will make your insurance life miserable if you can get the insurance. Most insurance companies value claims based on the type of claim and the frequency of the claims. If you get a property, for instance, we had one a while back that had three water losses. I couldn't find anybody to insure it other than doing what the is called the state fair plan. And their premium on that was outrageous for the coverage that was there. Unfortunately, once the claims are in place, there's virtually nothing you can do to make it go away. So if you run into that situation, the sooner you find out the insurance history, it gives you some leverage on what you're doing or not doing. Um, In this particular situation, uh, the lady ended up and walked away from the property because she couldn't make it work with what's out there. Uh, The other one that runs into that they're doing more and more that I see is there's a part of the insurance policy, or excuse me, insurance company 
guidelines that they use what's called a crime score. And what they do is the insurance company through a very intense process actually crime rates neighborhoods. Um, I have four or five companies that if the crime rate is above what they call a D, they will not offer insurance. And again, if you're looking at that property to invest and you're too far into the process before you find out you can't get insurance on it, you have a problem. So the, the sooner you get involved with your insurance professional, the better it works. Okay. And what would you say, uh, like there's like different people and like today in 2023, like there's like information overwhelm. So most people don't know where they should get their information or who should they talk to. What would you say to someone that's like, okay, uh, I believe it, but where do I start or where do I go? If I were in the investor shoe and I called an insurance company to look at getting insurance, my first question is, do they work with insurance investors? A second question is, how many investors do they currently have insured and what type of buildings they have? If you have somebody that has all single families and you're looking at buying a 20 or 30 door building, you're in the wrong place. They probably don't understand what it takes to do it or vice versa. You have people that work virtually 100% in the commercial world. You try to send them a single or a duplex, they're probably going to say, no, that doesn't fit what I do. Yeah, we can give you a number, but that's not really my market. The person that, as an agent that says, yeah, don't worry about it, we, we can take care of it without answering your questions, I would worry about it. Okay. So you mentioned like questions that people should ask. Mike, I pose to you this question. What questions do you do you wish people ask more often? Because, um, you know, we met on the Curry call and sometimes like you tell stories about how people are in a lot of trouble and in a lot of danger. And sometimes you end up rescuing some of these people. So I would like to hear from you, like what questions or what protocols should people take before they go to like uh, come to you? to need to be rescued or invest in a particular property? Um, as part of the due diligence, um, and most people do it, is they look at the property from an outside viewpoint. The way I would do is say, look at it, a property from the viewpoint of your parents. Do you think it makes sense for what is there the questions to ask is when the upgrades have been made to the property, if they've been upgraded, who did the upgrades and all the idiosyncrasies that go with that. Um, as far as whether to step in or step out, I recommend that you have a, a property inspector go through the property and give you a determination on what they see as potential issues and what you run into. If you have structural issues, the insurance company is gonna have a problem at some point because if you have a claim based on a structural issue, that claim will be denied because they will say it is a pre-existing condition because nothing happens quick on a building. They don't age overnight, they age over 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, 
as far as anything else, you know, when you get to the point that you have questions in your brain that you don't have answers to, that's when you contact the insurance professional and say, hey, here's where I am. What am I missing? What else do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? Okay. And so one thing is like, we all know we can go to Google and we can Google insurance professionals. And some people are just looking like, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to go straight to like someone like Bill. So how would someone get in touch with you and consult you for insurance? Do you have like certain criteria? Do you only work a certain market? Like how does that work for someone to get in touch with and work with you specifically or your company and what you do? Um, as far as type of insurance product that we offer, we do probably way more than what we need to. So we can handle most anything. Um, as far as the initial contact, uh, either text or email is probably good. I get a lot of people that will call at random and it's like, Hey, I heard you on this call. Like, here's my situation. What do I need to know or not know and go through? Um, we do virtually everything as far as the electronics, uh, social media, um, I, social media itself, I do Facebook. I tend to stay away from all the rest of them because I don't have enough time to actively get in to do. Uh, typically, phone, text, or email is the best way to contact. Okay. And what is your, like, what is the website? What's the phone number? What's the email address where they can reach out to you? Um, the phone number is 419-890-1270. Um, my website is www.paltyinsurance.com. And my email, the best one, is my name, Bill Palti at paltyinsurance.com. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one of the things that, which I, I still don't fully understand, and I, I like to lie on, uh, rely on professionals. Uh, one of the things I f fully don't understand is like, what is a policy? And like, are there different types of policies? So can you help us understand that in like the most basic terms? Like, what is a policy? And are there different kinds of policies? Is there a range? Is there one or two? What is that like? Um, each type of insurance, as far as a rental insurance, a homeowner's insurance, renters, uh, commercial life, everything has its own, what it's called policy form. Okay. Uh, a policy could be as simple as five or seven pages. It could be as much as 200 pages, depending on, uh, if you get into the uh, commercial and larger business, uh, operations. Um, as far as like I said, type of policy, each one is independent. It uh, depends on where you go or what you're looking for. In the investor world, the largest one that I run into lots of questions on is there are a number of companies that have their own policy form and they use generic words to identify that type of policy. And you have to sometimes translate what they're trying to say in that. In the simple industry terms, uh, typically the, they have what's called a dwelling fire uh, form, which is set up by the uh, 
International Standards Organization. You have a Dwelling Fire One, which is typically a vacant building policy or a policy that has very, very limited coverages. You have what's called a Dwelling Fire Three, that is a very comprehensive policy. Uh, next step up on that would be the commercial policy that covers way more than what the dwelling fire policy covers just because of the nature of what the building is. Uh, renters insurance and the condos insurance are different forms within that, which typically we don't run into too much because those are pretty straightforward. Um, and then you get into the homeowner's policy. Uh, the only thing that I caution people on with the homeowner's policy is a lot of companies do not write the dwelling fire policy. So they will give you a homeowner's policy and presume that it's going to cover what you're doing. The issue with that is the typical homeowner's policy is really, really restricted on what coverages they have or don't have. If you have a homeowner's policy and you are running out your structure, if there is a claim, it probably will get paid. The policy probably will get canceled and you probably will get an invoice for the amount of time that policy has been in place that you're gonna owe the insurance company money. So you have to understand what the policy allows and what it does not allow and within that, you physically have to read the policy. There is no shortcut to it. My recommendation is if you read a policy, you start with the exclusion page first, then you go to the limitations, then you look at the first part of the policy that actually tells you what it's covered. If you find something in the exclusion or limitation that does not fit your situation, that policy is probably incorrect for what you're trying to do. Okay. And do you, do you recommend like people read it individually themselves or do you recommend that there's some guidance involved, uh, like consulting with someone like you? So say, let me, let me just give a scenario. I'm interested in a property and I'm interested in insurance, but I've already went and I've already gotten a quote and I'm overwhelmed. I'm not sure what to do with this quote. Like, what are my next steps? Do I consult with that insurance company directly or should I talk with somebody that's uh, maybe more understanding of what an insurance quote is somebody I can trust like what are my next steps with um, simple form of everything the question that I recommend you ask is come up with a scenario that you think could occur and say huh. am I covered and what I, am I covered for to the person who put the estimate together okay if they can't answer that or stutter in answering it, that's probably a problem because in all probability, that means they really don't understand the policy that they offered or you don't have the coverage that you need to have covered. Um, if in doubt, always talk to at least two or three different people. Yes, it takes time, but if you're not familiar with the policy and the policy types, you have to get the education so that you're comfortable with what the policy does or does not do. If you hear two people say pretty much the same thing in the same terms, that's probably a good thing because they are understanding what you're trying to do, what you're trying to cover. And 
again, statistically, having two people give you almost word-for-word -word answers means that you're probably in the correct spot. Okay. And what kind of information, if I want to quote, what kind of information do I have to bring to the the insurance professional? Like, I want to quote, I'm like, Bill, I need a quote. What kind of information would you need from me to give me a quote? Um, in my world, again, in the investor world, um, I need uh, your name, uh, what entity you have, if you're using an LLC, a trust, or any of the other 20 or 30 versions that's out there, uh, probably your name of birth, uh, your mailing address, the address of the property, what type of property it is, what you're planning on doing with the property, whether you're, it's going to be a straight rental, you're going to do a rehab. If it's a rehab, what are you going to invest in the building to get it to the point where you're either going to rent it yourself or you're going to wholesale it for somebody else as a rental um if there's any quirks to the property um especially swimming pool uh fence yards that type of thing um if you know of any claims that have occurred in the last five years with a property and what kind of upgrades they have done uh especially roof is a huge one right now um, most insurance companies on the roof don't want to give replacement if the roof is over 15 years old. So anything that you can document on that ultimately will save you money because if you have a roof claim, they're going to cover hundred percent. They're not going to downgrade it based on depreciation. Um, that's probably the overview. I actually have a form that I have put together when people ask for something. I just say, send them the form and say, fill in your information. That'll get us started. And then it's a matter of uh, tweaking the policy to get it to where you want to go. Um, one I forgot that I forget all the time is uh, what level of deductible do you want for uh, your uh liability coverage on your property. Um, and again, that's one everybody's got their opinion on what works or doesn't work. Biggest thing to understand going to the next step is the insurance policy is yours. By law, I cannot tell you what to insure your property for. I can give you suggestions. I can say based on my recommendation, this is where you need to be and all that. If you want to insure it at a different value, that is 100% your choice. The thing I want to do is make sure that you understand what your risk is when you do that. If you're going significantly less than what I think it should be, I will ask for you to either text or email that response because unfortunately uh, amnesia happens all the time and that keeps me out of the errors and emissions claim because I had one uh, four or five years ago. Uh, we had a reconstruction value at over four hundred thousand. Guy wanted the property insured at one hundred and fifty, and he had a fire. And claim adjuster come out and called us and said, "You understand this building is grossly under underinsured," and I said, "I will send you the email from the client saying that that's what he wanted insured at." And he said, "Okay, that's all I need." 
Um, the guy still will not talk to me. And, you know, he, he made a decision. He thought he was being smart in what he was doing. He did not understand the true cost of doing it. And they ended up in a bulldozer building because he didn't have enough money to rebuild it. I don't want to see that happen because that gives a bad taste to everybody. <clears throat> yeah, so a little earlier you mentioned, like, deductible. And then liability. Can you help us, like in simple terms, understand what those terms mean and how they're relevant? <clears throat> so let's start with deductible, and then we can talk um, about liability. The deductible is what you would pay out of your pocket on a claim situation before the insurance would pay. Uh, okay. Most people do between a thousand and twenty-five hundred. I have uh, several clients that have $25,000 deductibles. And basically what they say is, unless I have a fire or anything that happens on that property, I'm going to pay for it and life goes on. There is not a right or wrong. Uh, I tell people to look at the checkbook and say, how much money can you write out of your checkbook without severely cramping your style? If you can do $5,000 and it won't hurt your lifestyle, then, you know, maybe that's a good place to be. Uh, the premium changes a little. The higher the deductible goes, the lower the premium because you're transferring the risk from the insurance company to yourself. Uh, one caveat in that is there is a part of insurance companies called co-insurance. If you have coinsurance on your insurance policies, anytime you see that word, substitute deductible for coinsurance. On coinsurance, you physically have to pay that amount out of your pocket before the insurance company pays anything. And what it does, again, it's the way the insurance company transfers the risk from themselves to you but I dislike it because they're not upfront about what it actually does. Uh, a lot of agents will tell you, don't worry about the co-insurance. It's not an issue. Uh, every policy that has co-insurance on it actually has a page in their policy that explains how the co-insurance works in the event of a claim. When you look at that page and you will say, oh, crap. It's like, okay, now you understand. Because if you have a $400,000 house with 80% coinsurance, you have a large deductible that physically will come out of your pocket before they pay that claim. The other thing I run into, not often, thank goodness, but occasionally, uh, we will get agents that will adjust that coinsurance even lower to decrease the premium. I saw one that had 56% on the co-insurance, which means on a $200,000 house, you have a $94,000 deductible. You don't know that, and all of a sudden, your world just exploded because you can't afford to pay for the deductible to get the house rebuilt. So yes, the insurance company will give you some money to do it, but you're physically at 50% before any other adjustments are made. So functionally, you're out of business. And that's, yeah, that's a really, really bad place to be. 
that sounds bad. Like, what is the why would an insurance company do that? And what's the benefit to them? Some insurance agents adjust the co-insurance to get the premium to where they think you want it to be. Okay. I disagree with that. The premium is what the premium is. If you want to make an adjustment, you have to tell me you want that adjustment made. Okay. Because if I make the adjustment, don't consult you, don't explain to you what that is. I just created a problem for myself. Makes sense. Can you tell us what liability is? The liability is, and I use simple terms, uh, you fall down the steps in somebody's house, their insurance will pay for your medical to get you back up on your feet. Go, the medical costs get the recovery, anything that goes on as far as a homeowner's or a rental type property. Now, in a renter's policy, the liability on that policy is designed to cover damage to the structure in addition to the personal liability of someone would be injured on that property. So renter's policy liability is different than what it is on a commercial policy, a landlord re rental policy or a homeowner's policy. Uh, one thing to understand with that is the insurance companies also will not use self-inflict damage. If you decide to burn your house down, you will not get paid for it. It has to be an accident of some type that triggers that incident before the insurance company will pay. If you start the fire, there will be no coverage. Got it. Um, all right. So uh, I want to get us like wrapped up and I have like a sec segment of the show. I call it the uh, the closing table. So we ask questions around like and it's to let the audience know that we're closing out. Um, uh, well, actually, before we do that, I want to go to the bonus questions. So uh, the bonus questions are a little bit selfish. Right? It's a way for me to figure out how I can add value to you or your business, but it's also for when people watch this and they want to reach out to Bill, it's for a way for them to add value to you, possibly instead of just wanting to, you know, pick your brain for free. So first question on the bonus bonus question is, how can someone add immediate value to you or your business? By trusting us to insure their property correctly. Okay. Um, they're unfortunately is right or wrong ways to do the insurance um and again simple view my goal is to keep you in business okay if you have something that's not right if i can fix it and improve your situation yeah that's a good thing for everybody okay uh, next question very similar how can someone add long-term value to you or your business uh, number one is keeping the business with us. Number two, uh, doing the thing where if you hear of somebody that has a situation that they need different insurance, somebody to walk them through a problem that they can't get resolved, especially in the claim world, uh, any referral like that is good. We can't provide legal assistance on a claim but we can provide guidance on who and how 
to address the issues to get that claim resolved. Um, we probably do too much of that, but again, the goal is to get the situation resolved. And if I do it correctly, usually I end up with a client out of it. So it's good for everybody. Okay. And now it's time for the closing table. What are three books or educate three books or educational resources you would recommend to the audience and why? Um, that's a good question. Uh, think and grow rich because you have to, um, the four hour work week, I think is a really, really good one just because you have to get into the entrepreneur mindset and then to go off on the, uh, outside tangent, anything by Deepak Chopra. Okay. And why for Deepak? What's the reason for that? Uh, Deepak lets you get your brain wrapped around the thing that the body does that you really don't understand. And there's a lot of things that happen in life. You wonder why some of that you can subconsciously direct to yourself if you understand how to let the mind do what the mind does. Okay. What is one question you wish I had asked you and how would you have answered? Well, if I had the question I knew that you should have answered, we would have already done that. Um, As far as the insurance world, the question that I wish more people would ask is why should I work with you and what do you do to protect me that other people don't do? And way too often people ask that after a claim rather than before they start the conversation. How would you have answered that question? Um, I've been uh, involved in investor world for going on seven years. Um, I've got recommendations from a number of people. I've got uh, emails from people where they had a claim situation that in one situation was almost two years old and they were in the whole $70,000 because of how the policy was handled. Uh, Over the course of about three months, I walked them through a number of steps to do Uh, The end result is they got the money. So the process worked. I was not functionally involved in the process. The client took my recommendations and did the things that they were supposed to do with it, and it worked for them. So that's where the good things happen. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Where can listeners find out more about you online? Um, You can go to my website, uh, insurance.com. Uh, it, it's got an overview of what we do. It's not anywhere all inclusive because it would be like three or 400 pages, which would be obnoxious, but it gives you an overview of what's there. The biggest thing I try to get people off my website is when they see something as a coverage that they've thought about, but haven't done anything with yet it's like okay yeah i need to do something and then they reach out and try to resolve what their situation is okay 
And if you could, so the way I like to close this out is with one word, no explanation. Okay. I want you to close down the show with one word. What word would that be? Based on my history, consistent. Consistency. Okay. Now, since you picked that word, tell us why you picked that word. Uh, multiple things through my engineering career. Um, when you get into the performance review, the people I work with, people that work for me, the people I work around, that's one word that always shows up. Drives my wife absolutely freaking crazy. Um, I won't say OCD, but, you know, sometimes it kind of falls onto that side. Uh, but if you are consistent in the how and the why you do things, you will make fewer mistakes because you follow your process from one end to the other. And it, it just allows all the good things in life to happen. Thank you, Bill. This has been excellent. I appreciate you spending your time with us. Uh, I'm going to close us out and I want you to sit here so we can catch up and talk in the green. Not a problem. All right. Thank you, Thank you Bill. I appreciate you so much.